Hello, this is Red Cloaks Radio. This is our second episode, and today is June 18th. It is 43 days until Massachusetts' legislative session comes to an end, and we are following to see will or won't the Massachusetts legislature pass the Roe Act. Um, and so I'm Jesse. I'm here. I'm a Red Cloak, and very excited to have some special guests today. Hello, my name is Martha, and I am part of the Red Cloaks, and have been helping with postcarding. And I'm Linda Vieira. I'm from Indivisible Acton. And I'm Laurie Venninger, and I'm from Indivisible Outer Cape, Cape Cod Women for Change, and the Indivisible Massachusetts Coalition. Awesome. So yesterday we were talking and we were thinking a little bit about grassroots steps that have been taken to raise awareness about the Roe Act. If you're just tuning in, the Roe Act is a joint proposal from both the state, uh, the Senate and the state House of Representatives to try to make access to abortion expanded so that regardless of your financial ability to pay, you would be able to access health care, that you would be able to have an abortion after 24 weeks in case of the, you discover that there is a fatal fetal anomaly. Um, and also it would remove the requirement right now for judicial bypass for teens, which we can talk about later. But these are only going forward if we can get the attention of the legislature. This was introduced last year. It was introduced in January 2019. It went to a hearing. Um, lots of us were there. And then it was been sitting in the Joint Judiciary Committee for a long time. So let's talk about what happened in terms of postcarding last year. Martha, you did some postcards, right? A couple hundred? Yes. Yes, I did. And we delivered them and helped them get, the, get them sorted out. So yes. All right, so really, I don't know the story of where it started. Ah. I know sometimes I got assignments from Linda. Sometimes I got feedback from Lori. Where did it start? That would be me. <laughs> um, so after the hearing, uh, which was a year ago yesterday, by the way, um, when we got back, we started uh, trying to spread the word about the Roe Act. Um, so Cape Cod Women for Change, you know, carpooled and went to the hearing, and then we we realized that there was a problem in messaging that a lot of people that are in favor of the Roe Act or would be in favor of it if they knew about it, um, people are in favor of a woman's right to choose, but they knew nothing about this bill. And, and nor did they know that the majority of Republican representatives to the House from Cape Cod do not support it or will not say whether or not they supported it. Um, and so we thought we, we needed to inform Cape Codders about the bill and about where their representatives stood. And so we enlisted the help of some of the local democratic councils and we got a list of ad names and addresses that was 8,000 people um, long, right? And I'm like, I don't think Cape Cod Women for Change can write 8,000 postcards. But being an indivisible person, I've learned from the multiple trainings that in order to increase your power, you just need to collaborate. So I reached out to other indivisible groups, um, like Linda's group, and we, in very quick fashion, knocked out those 8,000 postcards, impressed the Roe Coalition, another 8,000 addresses, and from the tip of the Cape 
to Northampton in Western Massachusetts, we knocked out over 16,000 postcards last summer. 16,000, 16,000, okay. Very good, that sounds amazing. That's a lot of postcards. It was. And Linda <laughs> did, I don't know how many thousand herself, right? Well, I I did farm it out, and but the nice thing about the postcards, they were going to um, constituents of, of state representatives that were on the fence about the Row Act, and so we were sending these postcards to a constituent and asking them to call their representative and ask them to support the Row Act. This is a very targeted list of people that uh, they thought would be pro-choice and likely to follow up to call the representative. So it was very targeted mailing. And so I think it was a very good use of people's time and money. This was totally self-funded. We bought the postcards, we paid for the stamps personally, and we got donations from lots of people. So we did spread out the cost. And I think one thing that um, I really liked about doing these postcards is when I would ask people if they would like to do postcards for the ROAC, it gave me an opportunity to educate them on the ROAC because they, I would say, would you like to do postcards for the ROAC? And I would explain that we'd be sending them to constituents to call the representatives. And they said, what, Roe Ro v. Way? Isn't that the law? And so then I have an opportunity to explain exactly what the Roe Act was. And I think that was very valuable that people, it was a great form of advertising. And we had some great postcard parties. We had one at someone's house with dinner and wine. My favorite was, um, we have, I live in a condo association, we have a pool. And we had an outdoor pool party doing postcards. And that has been the gold standard of the postcard party. When we have a postcard party, we say, yeah, this was, that was really fun, but it wasn't, you know, like the pool party, you know? So <laughs> it was a very inventive way, I think, of getting people to do postcards um, and educating them about the ROAC. And um, I think it was a very successful endeavor and something that shows the creativeness and effectiveness of grassroots organizing. Yeah. It's so funny because well, you say like a lot of people, go ahead, Martha, you. Well, I have a question because you said that the, it was very targeted. So having it targeted, is it better to have a specific people to send the postcards or would it be better to send it to everybody? So, everybody would be able to have questions. Like uh, I have met people and they don't know about the row act. So we ha I have to explain and all that. So having a targeted uh, postcard sending, is it, uh, is it better than having it to send it all over the place? I think it's only better because um, of the financial cost. Okay. You know, we couldn't possibly um, send it to everybody that needed it, and nor, nor could our crippled hands <laughs> okay, yes. do that. But, but target, we, we did try to target it because of that reason only, and, and we tried to take advice about um, districts where we might be able to persuade the rep the representative who was on the fence 
if that representative were to hear from constituents, um, you know, in favor of the bill, that might just be one more vote when it does come to the floor, if it ever comes to the floor for vote. You mentioned, Lori, that you also were pointing out to voters um, that there was, first of all, some legislation pending they might want to engage with, and two, the name of their elected person, because not everybody knows who the representatives are. You can look that up on the web if you look up Massachusetts Secretary of State, voting, district, any kind of keywords like that, and you can find that address. Um, but you were giving people that information, so it saved them a step. You gave them a phone number and an email address where they could just easily take the postcard and if they wanted to, take action really quickly. Um, what I find interesting is when people are non-committal, because let's talk a little bit about postcarding for people who might want to do some now. There's 44 days left. Um, people who hear this, 43, okay. We're, we're, we're in the countdown. Um, people might want to do some postcards now. So it's interesting to think about if my legislator is a co-sponsor of the Row Act, Maybe they want to hear from me because I want to say thank you for co-sponsoring. Now, please do everything you can and take some action to get it passed before the session ends. If they're opposed to it, I have a clear message. If someone's non-committal, what kind of message would you tell someone to give to someone who hasn't taken a position? I would, I would say you want to, um, in many cases, make it personal, although it it may be sensitive for some people who maybe have it, had a bad experience with, say, a fatal fetal anomaly um, to talk about it. Um, if they're able to talk about it, then they might want to recount how terrible that was to travel, you know, to miss time off work, to have to travel to Colorado or, or and spend the, the money in a hotel and um, or you know, if you're a teacher or a social worker, about the experiences that you see young people going through and, and give one or two reasons why the bill is so important to you. Yeah, and it's funny because postcards, you can only fit so much. And yeah. I know that when, you know, a lot of us have done postcarding for national issues right now. Postcarding has become much more popular in the past couple of years or much more visible. and. When you sit down to tell a story, you find often like, wow, I, this, I need a letter apparently. Um, but when you send postcards, it sounds like there's a few strategies. One is to write to friends and say, hey, friend, did you know this is happening? Here's who you can call, save them some time. And then it also sounds like we can actually use postcards to write to our legislators as well. Um, Linda, I'm curious in terms of your outreach to people, what kind of information do you think is most important to prioritize when you're writing a postcard about abortion rights because we're getting more comfortable as a society understanding its health care and talking about it but i do think there's some generational difference between me and my kids um, where people are a little less comfortable talking about it perhaps in my generation and maybe a little bit more comfortable if they're in college now or high school well i think that there's four really components of the row act that are the key to it and, and, and in, no, in no order is, because they're all equally important in my mind, would be the access for teens. If you're a teenager under 18, you have to get parental permission to have an abortion, which sounds, you know, like if you're a mother or a grandmother, you'd want your, your daughter to go to you. But the reality is that is not possible in all situations. There are many girls who are in foster care, come from abusive families, um, 
they're just not, they're, the parents wouldn't be supportive. And going to a judge before a judge is just an unacceptable um, excess uh, barrier to abortion. And it's even more so during this pandemic because people may not know if the courts are open, how are they gonna get there? It's, they're gonna be risking their lives to go out to try to get um, access to a judge and so on. Um, and the fatal fetal anomaly we've already talked about, um, if you're 24 weeks pregnant and you find out your baby will not, your fetus will not survive, then you cannot get an abortion in Massachusetts. If you don't have health care or you don't qualify for mass um, health, then um, the Roe Act would provide a safety net for those people who cannot afford to get an abortion. And the last one is to clean up the language that is from 1974 that describes in inflammatory, inaccurate medical terms what an abortion is and the definition of pregnancy. Um, so that's the four components of the Roe Act, and I think they're all equally important. I couldn't pick one. It's like picking, you know, um, your favorite uh, ice cream. <laughs> well, and it's true. So if you're writing a postcard, you can pick the thing that really speaks to you or the thing that you think your friend would most need to know, because as you said earlier, a lot of people just don't even know this is happening. People may misunderstand and think that prior legislation in the state um, took care of everything, or they may think that we're a blue state, uh, whatever it is they're thinking. But you don't have a situation where someone knocks on your door and says, hey, this is what's happening in the state house right now. You might be interested. You really need to tell a friend. That's the only way they're going to actually know. So I think uh, learning more about postcarding is very helpful. Um, and if people wanted to get involved now, it sounds like key things they could do are just maybe make a list of 10 friends across the state. Look for people who are not necessarily in your same zip code, people you work with, people you maybe socialize with, who are around the different corners of the state. Um, any other tips you would want people to have? I think they could share um, on social media the things, you know, like this podcast or some of the other graphics that are available out there just to start the conversation even. Um, I think that having the conversations uh, important and not just within our own circles, which is what sometimes I feel like we've been doing too much of, and we need to get it out to the broader public. Great. So in other episodes, we're going to unpack a little bit of the information you started sharing here, Linda, about the different components. Um, we're definitely going to talk about the judge thing because it piques, it piques people's interest when you let them know when a team goes to a judge, what the judge is going to do in that short interview is they are going to decide if the teen is mature enough to make a decision about whether to have an abortion. They're not actually judging whether that person is mature enough to become a parent. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot to unpack in other episodes. So thank you so much for being in this podcast with us today. Um, and we look forward to having more conversations. Thank you, Jesse. Thank, thank you. you Jesse. Thanks, Martha and Linda. Thank you all. <laughs>